Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast weekly sermon podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer two Sunday morning services with something for everyone. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while the kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, 9.30 or 11.30 every Sunday. Now here's Pastor Marco with another encouraging word. If you, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to begin this series titled, Untangling Jesus from Religion. And I got to say, it is a, it's an uphill battle because of all the mess that religion has created around Jesus that it's gonna take some doing. So I need to let you know this morning that this series is gonna take some brain power. So I need you to tune in because there's a lot to untangle. There's a lot to undo. So I hope that you are ready to go on a journey for this next few weeks. I really believe that what's gonna happen is, I really believe this, you're gonna see Jesus as irresistible. You're gonna see Jesus as really the one that you wanna be in relationship with. And, you want to see Jesus in a brand new light. I really believe it. I believe Jesus is so irresistible, you don't have to be religious to know him. And I believe Jesus is so irresistible that even if you're religious, you want to know Jesus. I really believe this with all my heart. I'm so excited to share this with you, but it's going to take some doing. So tell your neighbor, please don't distract me. I'm easily distracted. If you get up and go to the bathroom, you distract me. Don't be that guy in the middle of the sermon. Excuse me, excuse me. You know, hold it together for a few more. Can you say amen? Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 23. Are you there? The Bible says, one. Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Can you say amen? You know, Untangling stuff is frustrating, isn't it? You ever been in a situation where you're trying to untangle a rope or a cord or, or you're trying to undo a mess? It's, it's frustrating, right? I asked my wife permission to show you this, but this is how our basement looks right now. Okay, just go ahead and show them the picture of our basement. That's what it looks like when you have 10 kids. And it doesn't matter if we clean it five minutes before. Five minutes later, it looks like a hurricane went through your house and, and wreak havoc on everything. And my wife is one of those like well put together people. She can't stand messes. So I'll be downstairs playing with the kids. She comes down, she looks, and she just goes right back upstairs. <laughs> She's like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And here I am in the middle of all this watching the Patriots game like, this is awesome. <laughs> but messes can be overwhelming. Right? Sometimes you have to tackle something, you're like, man, I don't know where to begin. And this is how I feel about religion. That's how I feel about this series. There's so much mess that sometimes you don't even feel like you want to tackle it because you're like, where to begin? And every time you try to tackle it, you end up getting into a fight with somebody. You end up arguing over it instead of having some resolution. 
ends up being a fight. And now you unblock, you're blocking people on Facebook <laughs> because you guys can't have a conversation about it. And then the worst part is, is when people just give up and say, forget it. But my friends, today I, I really believe this. We don't have to throw Jesus out with the bathwater. I think we can do some work here and really get to the heart of some things that I think is going to actually set you free. It's going to liberate you. It's going to help you understand that there is Jesus and then there's religion. Right? And though, even though we put Christianity in the same category as a religion, Jesus never intended to start a religion. Jesus came to give us something much deeper and much more meaningful than religion. Can you say amen? amen. I truly believe he is irresistible. And our passion here is to be a church that's helping people truly connect with Jesus. And I just go to church. I, I know some churches are great uh, helping church people, but really our heart is for the unchurch. Our heart is to, is to tell the world, look, listen, everything that you're looking for is found in Jesus. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, I really believe it with all my heart. Everybody's looking for hope. Everybody's looking for healing. Everybody's looking for purpose and meaning. Everybody's looking for understanding. I, I think it all translates into Jesus. I really do. I think if we can really entangle some stuff, I think more people are going to say yes to Jesus. I think more people want to follow Jesus. It's just that religions have gotten in the way for them. They can't see right from wrong anymore because we've tangled up this thing. But I think if you can untangle some stuff, I think some of your friends are going to come to Jesus. Some of your loved ones are going to come. And I think if you've been to church a long time, you are going to have a new pep to your step. I think you're going to be excited about Jesus. Because religion has stifled you and, and, and has made you this sour saint. You ever meet sour saints? Nothing worse than a sour usher. Sit over here. <laughs> Thank God we don't have sour saints here. Our ushers are awesome. I love our ushers. They're amazing. Our ushers don't do this. They do this. <laughs> like, they, they're into it. They love it. You know? But we really want to help the world connect with Jesus. That's why he came. He came. He said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. We need to go beyond the four walls of the church and bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to a dying world, to a hurting world who is looking for hope. Can you say amen? amen. You know, we do a TV show. And a couple of weeks ago, I felt compelled to do something different with the TV show. We decided to go on the streets of Fall River since we're, we're believing in God for Fall River. By the way, Fall River campus, we love you. And I told our media guys, I said, let's do something different. Let's just talk to people. Let's, let's, let's hear the heartbeat of people. What, they, what are they thinking about God and Jesus and, and this whole religion thing? And it was awesome. It's fascinating. We had great conversations. It's going to air tonight on ABC right after the news. And I would love for you to tune in and also tell someone who doesn't go to church to tune in. I really believe it's going to help somebody connect with Jesus right in the living room or wherever they're watching from. And we just found out this week that we're averaging 9,000 households per episode on ABC. Which, which tells you that people are looking for Jesus. You know, we got an email from a man who said he was watching the news and he just left the TV on. And he said, I, I just felt so depleted by life and I was contemplating suicide. But your program came on and he gave me hope to live again. And he gave me hope to reach out and ask for help. So what we're doing here is deeper than just religion. It's about lives. Amen. So I pray tonight, you watch this. This is a quick clip. Just show you a soundbite of what people are thinking real quick. And it was a great conversation, but if you, if you watch the full thing tonight, you're really going to get a heart for this. So can we just show that quick clip? Honestly, right now, I feel like I need it by my side. I need him to help me get through tough times. Yeah. Do you guys go to church? We just go to church. Okay. There's people in the church that some gossiping, you know, it's a lot of challenges and stuff like that. I always like the idea of God and that there was such a thing, but it's hard when you, you know, don't see it and it's, and it's uh, hard when you live the life that I live to believe, you know, that's where I guess faith comes in and this is how, how I realized that there was a God. 
So tune in tonight. Tell someone who struggles with church, who struggles with this whole religion thing. Just tune in. Just see, just see what you get out of it. I really believe that it's going to help a lot of people. But today, my friends, you know, we, we're going to untangle some things, and it's going to take some time. So it's a crockpot type of message. I hope you can, you can tune in because we're going to go somewhere. I really believe this. We're going to go somewhere today if you just stick with it. So to give you a little bit of context here, when Jesus came to earth about 2,000 years ago, religion was already a thing. Religion was not new. Okay? People already believed in God and gods. You know, you had the Jewish people who believed in one God. You had the Romans who believed in many gods. You have the Greek mythology with the different perspectives on God. So this wasn't new. So Jesus didn't bring religion. Religion was already there when Jesus came to earth as a human being. So when we get to this place, when you see Jesus walking in the streets and talking to people, people were already laced in religion. The Jewish people, for example, um, lived by the commandments of the Old Testament, the, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. They truly believed that's how you live your life, and they would call the Old Testament the way, the truth, and the life for them. And so when Jesus comes, this is not revelation for them. This is just part of their lives. It was ingrained in them to, to, to seek to follow these commandments. Now with time, because they received the Ten Commandments back in Egypt when they were slaves, and God said, hey, listen, now that you're free, I'm going to give you Ten Commandments to live by, which a better word for commandment, by the way, is principles. It doesn't translate well in English, but the original, God's saying, I'm giving you some principles to live your life by. Principles that's going to help you, that's going to bless you, that's going to contribute to not just you, but the well-being of others, right? And if you know the Ten Commandments, you can see that there's life in the Ten Commandments, right? So let me test you for a second. What are the Ten Commandments? Uh-oh. Here we go. What's the first commandment? Oh, and why are we mumbling? You ever do that in school? Like, you don't know the answer, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You should have no other God, right? That's the first one. What's the second one? No idols, right? Don't make any images, right? My brother over here is killing it with the commandments. What's the third commandment? Not yet, not yet. Third one is don't take the, the name of the Lord in, in vain. What's the fourth? What is it? No, keep the Sabbath. Fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath holy, which is the day of rest. The fifth commandment, which everybody gets to, is honor your, your mom and dad so your days on earth will be prolonged. That's the fifth commandment, right? Now, let's keep it going. What's the six? Six, it says, don't kill. Okay, don't kill anybody. Okay, seventh commandment. Y'all are mumbling again. No, actually, seven is don't commit adultery. The eighth is don't steal. The ninth commandment is don't bear false witness against your neighbor. And then the tenth commandment, don't covet your neighbor's life or your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's property. In other words, like, stay in your lane. That's good. I like that better. Stay in your lane. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, so think about this, right? God says, hey, I love you guys. I just set you free from slavery. So live by these principles, and you will have a blessed life. You will live a great life. Can you imagine if our society just lived by these principles? How different things would be if we just say, let's just stick to these principles and see what happens, right? But then as time progresses, they begin to kind of drift away from these principles and begin to do things they shouldn't do. And, and so in an attempt to try to bring people back to those principles, they begin to add extra laws to it because they were like, well, you are kind of like borderline, kind of not killing, but let's add some other things so you make sure you really don't do any of those weird things. So when Jesus comes on the scene, they've added so many laws that by now there's about 650 laws attached to the Ten Commandments. Not about you guys, but when I hear 650 laws, I'm already exhausted. Like, how do you know you're keeping every single one of them? Right? Like, is there like a, like a 650 law manual that I can walk around with and be like, yo, what's 613? Like, I don't, I'm not sure if, if I'm hitting it right. 
And again, the, 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 the drive was to really do the law. That was the drive. So the Pharisees were the main denomination of Jesus' time, okay? Denomination is like being Catholic or Baptist, you know, Pentecostal. We are non-denominational, which is also another denomination. <laughs> you see how weird this thing gets? So they were the main denomination that, that took the law seriously, it took the Bible, the Old Testament seriously, and was trying to help people live it, and they were strict by it. They were like, man, this is how you honor God, is by keeping all these laws. So when we get to this place, Jesus is walking around with his disciples, and it happened to be a Sabbath day, which is Saturday or day of rest. In the Jewish calendar, sundown to sunup is a day. So Friday night, to so Saturday night is basically the rest day, the, re the day that you just rest. Because again, what's the heart behind rest is that, hey, you're a human being, you're not a human doing, so learn to rest, learn to understand where your sources come from, where your resources come from, which is God, right? So the heart of this thing is good. But the problem is, by the time Jesus comes on the scene, just around the day of Sabbath, they've created 39 different laws. It was no longer just about rest, it was about yeah, but here's how you actually rest. So by the time you're done with resting, you're actually stressed because you're like, did I keep all these laws? Are you tracking with me so far? So Jesus is walking around with his disciples on a Sabbath day. They get hungry. The disciples were like, yo, there's some grain right here. Let's pick it off and eat. Well, the Pharisees saw this and threw a flag on the plate and said, that's a penalty. You can't do that on a Sabbath day. That's work. Which is so interesting to me. I don't know how you read the Bible, but I'm always fascinated by this because so Jesus and his disciples are walking down the street. They, they come to a grain of field and they pick up some field and the Pharisees just happen to be there to throw a flag on the play. Which always, it's always fascinating to me how people are so quickly to point to you what you're doing wrong, but not what you're doing right. Isn't that amazing? You can have a full week of really like amazing things and then you do one thing wrong and the person that never applauds you for the things you're doing right is the one that stands up and goes, hey! Flag on the plate. Can't do that. Aren't you that born again guy? Aren't you that Christian? Aren't you that homegirl that's always telling us about Jesus? It's amazing, right, how human nature is. Always looking to point to what's wrong. Which, my friends, you have to understand this, the heart of the principle is good, but when the principle does not have a heartbeat attached to it, it becomes more of a burden, an obligation, than the actual principle itself. Are you tracking with me so far? In, this, in the purest form, the Sabbath is good, you should rest. That's a good thing. But when it becomes about how you rest versus resting, are, are, you, are you tracking with me? So listen, they felt compelled to impose these sub-laws upon sub-laws upon people, but they missed the heartbeat of the principle. This is where religions gets interesting. It's when you start doing things they're supposed to bless you, but they end up hindering you. Let's have an honest moment for a second. You could be here, and you can do a lot of religious things, but it doesn't mean your heart is in it. Like, it's just reality. Today, when we're singing all these songs, you could be singing it and thinking, man, I'm hungry. I can't wait to go home and eat. You could be singing, oh man, I can't wait for the Patriots game, even though they're gonna kill Washington today. Like, I just can't wait for that. And so what happens over time is, if I'm not attaching the things that I'm doing with my heart, then it becomes just a routine that I'm going through, but my heart is not really attached to what I'm doing, and therefore I'm not really into what I'm doing in the first place. So it's interesting because Jesus is like, hey, can I give you guys like a, a thing that you guys read? You love David, right? And Jesus is so funny because Jesus is a little bit of a, a punk sometimes. Because he knows they know, the, they know the Bible. So he's like, hey, you know, oh, you guys love David. It's your favorite king in the Bible. Remember the time he was hungry and he went to the temple and he violated the temple laws by eating sacred bread? 
and he even gave some to his companions. Remember that? You guys love him. Did you ever talk about that? Which is equivalent to saying like, hey, can you imagine some people are really hungry and they broke into the church and they, wait, they ate all the communion bread? How would you feel about those people? Would you be so upset that they ate the communion bread or you'd be happy that they found something to eat because they were hungry? Because if the principle is not attached to a person, then the principle is empty and void. I've seen so many people argue religion, but they don't really care about it. They just want to be right. Some people will argue to death with you over religion, but they don't really care about you. They just want to be right. But if right is not attached to righteousness, it always leads to legalism and not freedom. Oh, man, y'all are going to track with me today. Here's the bottom line where Jesus was trying to get to, and then we need to untangle from all these laws and regulations. Here's the bottom line. Let me, let me put it this way for you. Look, the bottom line is this. Go to, my, go to my quote there about commandments and principles. See, every commandment or principle, better word is principle, has a heartbeat attached to it. If it does not bring life to people, then it's just legalism. If all it is is to make you walk the straight line, but it doesn't lead to life, then all it is is a law that is empty from the principle itself. So Jesus was trying to get to the heart, not just of the Sabbath, he's trying to get to the heart of the law. What is the purpose of the law? And how is it supposed to lead you to life and not make you feel like I can never measure up? Matter of fact, the law tells you you can't measure up. That's why you need life. Legalism is what they were doing. They took the 10 commandments, the 10 principles, they added 650 plus laws to it. Let me, let me summarize legalism to you. It's excessive adherence to law or formula. Legalism is more concerned with the fact that they broke the law, but they're not concerned with the fact that you just got fed. Which behind every principle of God is people. Did you notice when we told the Ten Commandments, did you notice how God did it? God says, hey, you, you want to love me with all your heart, my soul, and strength? Well, the first four is about loving me. And if you want to love your neighbor as you love yourself, well, that's how you love your neighbor. You don't hurt your neighbor. You don't kill your neighbor. You don't steal your neighbor. You don't cover your neighbor. Like, in other words, the bottom line is, it's not even the principle. It's the people attached to the principle that I'm trying to get to when it comes to this. It's amazing how some churches are so consumed with the principle, but they drive people away. You got to talk this way. You got to dress this way. Some churches, if I was this way in some churches, preach, I couldn't preach. I couldn't get to the stage. Dress like this, I don't think I would get to the door. So what happens after a while? Do you go to church because you truly want to connect with this God who is the heartbeat of everything? Or do you go to church because you're trying to appease your conscience and you're trying to please people's conscience and you're trying to please your grandmother's conscience? You're trying to please... You see why some people you invite them to go to church, they're like, I already feel bad. You're just going to make me feel worse. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Maybe that was you at one point. You're like, man, I, the way my mind's set up, I'm already jacked up. Y'all are going to make me feel even more worse. You see how a good thing can become a, a burden instead of a freedom thing? God never intended to come up with 650 laws. God intended to give you principles to live by to bless your life. Behind every principle of God is you. Think about it. God doesn't need the principles. You ever thought about that? Like sometimes we act like we're doing God a favor. Like, he's God. He's holy. He's already all set. Like, he's saying, like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to bless you. But you're approaching this thing like you're trying to do me a favor because you showed up. You know, the thing I'm trying to get to, my friends, is we have to untangle this stuff because if you don't untangle it, you'll end up doing some things that might sound right, but it only leaves you empty. There are people who have done all the right religious things and their heart is still empty. Some people will give you their resume. 
went to church, got catechized, got baptized. I was even an altar boy. Like, that's all-star religion right there. Like, I was on the all-star team. And then you look at their lives, they're still empty. Why? Because you can do all the rituals, all the legalistic stuff, but your heart is not attached to the things that you're doing, and therefore there's no life in it. God even said that in the time where Isaiah lived. God said this about what they were doing with the rituals. Look, in Isaiah, here's what God says. He says, look, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Sad, isn't it? That we can do a lot of human rules, a lot of things that we were taught, but our hearts were never attached to it. I grew up in a very religious country, Cape Verde. 90, probably 96%, last time I checked, traditional Catholics. But I remember even as a kid, that used to mess me up because if we go to mass and the mass will be packed to the brim, people will be outside, and no one was paying attention. But everybody went to mass. It became more about the tradition of going to Mass than the actual reality of connecting to the God who is the Mass. Right? And so we go through the motions. We do this, but our hearts are not attached to what we're doing. So what happens after a while of doing empty rituals, you end up feeling empty, and you say, this can't be real. And so that's why you see a lot of people especially young people who grew up in legalistic society or churches, when they reach 18, they go, peace, this does not bring life to me. Are you tracking with me? See, my friends, the point of the commandments was always about relationship. That's why Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, can I, can I strip it down? Can I simplify it for you guys? Love God. Love people. He says, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, that's what it is. If you love God, you don't put anything above him. You don't take his name for granted. You honor the Sabbath because you know who blesses you. And then if you love people, clearly you're going to honor your parents. Clearly you're not going to kill somebody. Clearly you're not going to commit adultery if you truly love your wife. See, the heartbeat of the whole thing was life and freedom, not obligation and burden and stress. Sometimes I get concerned in church. Are we bringing freedom to people or are we adding stress to people? Because life is already stressful. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Is that how we feel when we come to Jesus? Do we feel lighter or do we feel more burdened? Do we feel more confused? Do we feel more guilty? Because if we feel those things, maybe we have religion, but we don't have Jesus. Listen, my friends, if a principle of God is not compelling you to love God more and love people more, it's no longer the principle. It's legalism. It's rules and laws and regulations. If there's no heartbeat attached to it, sooner or later you will give up on the whole thing. You could be in church, but your heart may not be here. It happens all the time. The story of the prodigal son is so misread because Jesus was actually hinting at the older son, not just the younger son. He was like, you were home, but you didn't get why you were home. The law was supposed to just be a tutor. Parents, when we are teaching kids principles about life, the worst thing we can do is just say, do it because I'm telling you to. Because the reality is, yes, as a kid, they will do it because you tell them to, but you, when you're not around. But if you take time to explain to them the heartbeat behind the things you're trying to teach them, the Bible says that one day they will still go down the right path because now it's instilled in their hearts that this actually leads to life. This is not just a rule. This is actually a principle that's going to bless my life. So whether my father's around or not, I still want to honor it because I know how he blesses me. Because you can't have someone holding your hands forever. That's, that's the law. The law was like, I'm going to show you the way to go. But then I'm going to hand you over to grace. That's so good. 
Allah was like, man, you're still a kid. You're not sure right from wrong, but now you're 18. I'm handing you over to grace. And that's, that's the prayer of every parent that when your kid reaches 18, when you're not around, they're still applying the principles that's going to honor and bless their lives. If us imperfect parents want that, how much more does God say, man, this is my heart. I, I want to see you live right. Paul the Apostle was reflecting on this when he wrote a letter to the Galatian church. He, he put it this way. He said, look, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law, the tutor. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the law of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. How cool is that? Hey, he's like, man, the law brought you this far, but he can't take you where you need to go. Because you don't need a babysitter, you need grace. Oh, that is so good. You understand why Jesus now gets to the point, he says, listen, you missed it. Like, the Sabbath was not made to be imposed on the person. The person was made for the Sabbath. Like, every principle that God gives you was for you. Was for your own good, was to bless you, was not to beat you down, that you weren't sure if you even want to do it in the, anymore in the first place. You see why Jesus gets to the place that he's like, man, I'm over the Sabbath. I'm the boss. The Lord, Lord means boss. It's like, I'm the boss of the Sabbath, which, again, he's talking about all the laws, all the commandments. He just happened to be picking on the Sabbath because they brought up the Sabbath. But he was making a bigger statement here, like, hey, hey, the guy that you guys been waiting on to come to show you how to live without needing a tutor is here. So guess what? Now you don't have to live by the law. You live by grace. And grace is not an obligation. Grace is a gift. We live by grace, my friends. We, listen, I pray we get this. I, I hope we understand this. I'm doing my best to untangle this. You don't behave to be accepted by God. Because you are accepted by God, you behave. Yeah. There's freedom in that. I don't have to have two lives if I live by grace. I don't have to have a church life and a life outside of church. There's freedom when you know who you truly are in Him and the relationship that you have with Him. You don't have to put on a front. You don't have to put on a facade. You know, the word hypocrisy is the word actor. Someone is acting a part. So you have to act a part if you are the part. Oh, that's so good. Like when you know who you are in him and the grace that he gives you, it sets you free to truly be yourself and to truly connect with him because it's not an obligation anymore. It's a grace walk. It's a relationship walk. It's a love walk. Like when you're in love, it changes the ball game of why you do the things you do or don't do the things you don't do. So bottom line, if you truly love God and love people, of course you will do the principles. But when you're not in love, that's hard. Imagine you have a friend who is married. And every time he talks to you about his marriage, he sounds like this. Man. <laughs> so hard, y'all. Man. I guess I got to take her on a date. Man. I don't want to go home. But I do love her, though. Would you believe your friend? If you're a real friend, the question you got to ask is, man, do you love your wife? Because it doesn't sound like it. You, it feels like you're more obligated to love your wife than you actually love your wife. You see, that my, my concern is that's how we talk about God. We talk about God like it's an obligation. Like, you ever talk to people that are like, oh, it's so hard to pray. And you're like, who are you talking to? <laughs> who is on the other side of this conversation? It's so hard. 
Because when you're talking to a friend, even when you don't have the words, you go, man, you feel me? They go, yeah, I feel you. Why? Because it's a friendship. talk to some people it feels like oh this is so hard like oh it's so hard for me to go to church so hard for me to take my wife on a date can you imagine going on a date for the first time you're like I want to set some ground rules (laughs) I'm into this but we're only going to do this once a week between 9 30 and 11 30. And then the bill comes around, and you're like, ah. Ah. Don't get me wrong, I'm into this. Just, ah. The way my bank account's set up. Ah. Got you these flowers, but don't stress it, it was on sale. You talk different when you're in love. Like, I'm amazed. I, I, I hear Christians talk, and I'm like, you, you, there's no way you can't be in love. There's no way. But I serve the students coming. Ah. You know, the church is growing. We should add another service. Ah. It's like, wait, is this an obligation? Or is this a relationship that you're actually in love with? Amen. Is this something that your heart is into? Or is it that you're into just the facade of it? Like, I think we need to rethink the way we're talking about this stuff. Can you imagine every time you talk to your friend who has kids and he goes, ah. He's got a soccer game this weekend. Ah. It's like, hey, do you love your kids? No, I, of course I do. And then you get defensive. Who are you to judge me? Of course I love my kids. No, it's just the way you talk about them. This doesn't seem to be any, like, affection. Doesn't seem to be any, like, passion. Doesn't seem to be any connection. Because when you talk to someone who's really in love, it's like, ah, uh-huh, yeah, we went out yesterday and, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I mean, I went to worship, and man, it was like, man, I just was in this presence, and I just couldn't get enough. I was just, oh, man, I'm just. If our hearts is not attached to the principles, then it's burden. It feels heavy. It's not enjoyable. And what, the last thing we need is more joyless religion. That's the last thing we need. Because it's not good for our souls. It's not good for other people's souls either. You ever walk away from people and they make you feel like you just had a really hard drain mode conversation? You ever talk to people that drain life out of you? You're like, oh my God, that felt awful. Do you ever see some people and you're like, I'm going the other way? I know, I know you're Christians, you love people, but can you... Because you know, like, man, this person's going to drain me right now. I'm afraid sometimes we're looking at God like that. Like God is draining life out of us as opposed to giving us life. I'm afraid we've settled for religion. Because God, he's a God of joy. Like, God is the God that ran when the prodigal son was coming home. God didn't go, yeah. Knucklehead, get over here. God ran after him. The heartbeat of God is people. It's not the rituals. It's not the traditions. It's people. And if it's not bringing you to life, then you miss Jesus. We need to untangle that stuff so you can get to the heart of God, so you can actually begin to have life in you. Because some people talk about life Like, it's so hard all the time. And life is challenging, yes. But man, I would hope that the God that created life is bringing joy to us and peace to us and healing to us. That's why I don't like to have 
certain conversations with certain people because it's like, man, if, if this is not going to add life to you, why are we having this conversation? Because most of us don't talk anymore. We just argue. Religion is so harsh that people will block people instead of br building bridges for people to walk across and have a conversation. I had a woman one time said to me, you know, you guys are doing it wrong. You're supposed to worship on a Saturday. It's a Sabbath. And I said, it's interesting because I like to worship on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because it would be weird if I told my wife, I'm only seeing you on Sunday. Between 9.30 and 11.30. The rest of the week. See how weird that sounds? It's not a relationship, it's the do's and don'ts. And then we do all the do's and don'ts and we, just, we don't feel like doing. Now we have to pretend that we're into it. Nothing worse than a relationship where someone's pretending that they're into it. Because sooner or later, your heart's gonna give. And it's gonna show, wait, it, my heart was never into it. So this was never supposed to be about, about obligation. It was supposed to be about relationship. There's a monk that lived in the fourth century, amazing thinker, one of the probably greatest thinkers of all time, Augustine. If you get a chance, read some Augustine. But Augustine struggled with religion for a long time because he felt like he couldn't measure up, he couldn't do it. And Augustine had to come face to face with grace and surrender himself truly to the grace of God and begin an actual relationship with God. He had to surrender his religiosity, he had to surrender his guilt, he had to surrender all of that stuff. And then when he finally understood grace, he said these words, it's so powerful, it's gonna mess with you. I hope it messes with you for the rest of this week. But look what Augustine says, he said, look at this, look at this, look at this. Love God and do what you will. Now let that sink in for a second. Love God, do whatever you want. Is it registering yet? You mean do whatever I want? Yeah. If you love God. What do you mean? There's no way. Like, there's some things I shouldn't do. Well, you love God? Then do whatever you want. Because if you truly love God, you're not going to violate his principles. <laughs> there is so much freedom in this one little sentence. That when you have questions like, is this a sin? Well, do you love God? If you do, then do what you got to do. Well, pastor, how far is too far? You, you love God? How, how do I know if this is the person I'm supposed... Do you love God? What about society and everything? Do you love God? And do what you got to do. Because if you truly love God, you also got to love people. Therefore, your love is displayed by what you do. So it's not necessarily that you say you love God. It's what you do that actually says that you love God. Oh, my God. It's not that you say, I am married, is what you do that says you're married. Can you imagine, again, talking to your friend who is married, and he goes, it's so hard to be faithful to her. Hmm. You love her? Because if you do, you do whatever you got to do. Oh my God, this is so liberating. 
Because I don't have to feel like, I don't have to feel like I'm in love with my wife. I made a commitment to her. Love is not a feeling, it's a commitment. You know how liberating this is? When people start trying to bring, yeah, but why don't, you don't do it, you don't, you love God? Why is it so hard for some people to tithe? Is it because of money? If you love God, who do you think takes care of you? <laughs> who do you think is behind the scenes taking care of you? Maybe yeah, people say, oh, man, yeah, I, you know, I would love to serve, but, you know, the way that, that, that my schedule set up, I mean, I could probably do it like every other month, but the fifth Sunday of the month. And you go, do what you got to do. But let's not call it that you love God. Let's call it religion. Let's call it what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. Because somehow, 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 magically, somehow on Tuesday night, when your favorite show comes on at 8 o'clock, it's always free. Somehow, every Sunday, 1 o'clock, from 1 to 3, oh my goodness, I am free. A few weeks ago, we went to a Benfica game on a Sunday, right after we did two services, and we drove all the way to Foxborough to watch a preseason game, which was really stupid. It was so hot, it was ridiculous. But we ran into a guy that used to come to our church, we used to serve, and he told us proudly, he goes, I've been here all day. <laughs> you love Benfica? Do what you got to do. But because we love God, we went to two services and went to Benfica's game. <laughs> we don't have to complicate this thing. It comes down to what do you love? But whatever you love, you make time for. Whatever you don't love doesn't fit. That's the way it goes. It's not hard. People are like, why would you take on forever? Because I love God and I do whatever I want. That's it. Society doesn't define what I do. Business doesn't define what I do. Not even my kids define what I do. Because I love God, I do that, and I'm teaching them, here's how you actually love something. It's not just saying you love it, it's actually what you do that says what you love. So it doesn't matter how much excuses we make, it comes down to, what do you love? Forget the rules and regulations, what do you love? Because whatever you love, you do. You don't have to tell me to not cheat on my wife. You don't. I love my wife. You don't have to tell me to spend time with my kids. I love my kids. So you think a title makes me more than you? It's just a title. What makes us who we are is what we love. That's what defines us. And we don't know we love something until we do something. Or don't do something. Oh my God, this, this is so freeing. If we, can, if we can get here. See, Jesus was trying to tell them, guys, you're missing the point. The principles were supposed to bless you. Not burden you. And now you're worried, which ones am I breaking? Which one did I not break? And so that's how people know God, unfortunately. You talk to them, they're like, yeah, I was, I'm a good person. How do you know? Well, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Well, but are you alive? Are you excited about God? Do you talk to him? Do you have revelations from him? Does he reveal himself to you? Do you guys go to work together? Do you guys go to, to the yoga together? Do you, like, enjoy, like, that relationship? Is it enjoyable to you? Because what you love reflects it's easy to understand when you ask someone, 
do you love God? And they say, yeah, I go to church. That's equivalent to saying, do you love your wife? Yeah, I go home. <laughs> you love your kids? Yeah, I pay child support. What we say reveals our hearts. Like what, the way you talk about something, man. You ever see someone who's passionate about something? It could be anything. It could be food. You ever, some people make you want to eat something. The way they break down the ingredients, right? You ever watch that guy, Guy Fieri on, on man, that guy, every time, like, I want to eat something. That guy, it doesn't matter what he eats. Mmm. I'm telling you what, man, there's an explosion in my mouth of all the flavors <laughs> happening. When you love food, you do what you gotta do, guy theory. <laughs> do you ever talk to people who truly love God and you walk away feeling like, my God, I just wanna love God like you do. Yeah. Like you really, truly, genuinely love God. One of my good friends, Stephen Mook, he's a pastor, he's been here. That guy loves Jesus. Yeah. Oh, he loves, like, I told him the other day, I said, bro, man, you, you make me want to love Jesus more. He'll call me and leave me like the longest voicemails. <laughs> like, like, he will leave me like four or five minutes prayers on my voicemail. He won't even say hi, he'll go, Father God, I just want to thank you. And I sit there and I go, man, this guy loves Jesus. And I want to love Jesus like that. Like, it's not a burden. It's not an obligation. It's actually the greatest privilege in life. You ever been in love? No? Okay, that's why this is not making sense. Never actually been in love. I just did a marriage class yesterday and I said, you know what happens with marriages? At some point, we take each other for granted. And we stop pursuing each other. And then we go like this. And then we say, we grow out of love. You, know, you don't grow out of love. You grow into love. And you add to that love. Because it's not a feeling, it's a choice. So I always encourage those who are getting married, love by choice. Like, I don't do this because it's an obligation, it's a choice. That's why when Forever came, it's like, I made a choice. This is how I want to spend my life. Because I love it. Not, not obligated to it. And I've said this many times to the Lord. Hey, if one day I don't love it anymore, just take it away. Because what would be the point of doing this if I don't love it? This is not a burden, my friends. It's the greatest privilege in life is to live in love with God and with people. That's why Jesus was like, you missed it. The whole point is if you love God and you love people, you've kept all the commandments. We just stand with me as we pray this morning. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, please share it with another person. And for more information, visit our website, newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.